You are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, hey there, welcome to the Brand Architect Podcast. It's me, Ani Alexander, and thank you very much for tuning in again. Well, today I have yet another interview for you, but it seems like I've been off track for a while because we had exceptionally great weather here in London. It was very destructive and I ended up being outside much more than I usually have been doing recently and I did not work as much as I should because we had sun for a whole two weeks over here in London. So it was a great period. I um, managed to charge my batteries. I um, was able to unplug from the online world for a while. I wasn't in front of the computer as much as I used to be. And I think uh, that was a good change and now I'm back full force I will be on my usual working mode from Monday so you will be having more and more great content coming up but today's content is a great one as well because today uh, I have an interview which I enjoyed a lot recording and that's because today's interview is with Mark Schaefer and I have the owner of uh, being his friend and we've got connected actually when I was recording our very first episode over a year ago for the Right to Be Read podcast and it's episode 72 so you can uh, go back and listen to it at anilexander.com backwards slash 72. We had a great time back then, we really clicked and we kept in touch and uh, we're friends since then and I'm really honored to be one of his friends. So for those of you who don't know who Mark Schaefer is, he's a globally recognized speaker, educator, business consultant and author who blogs at Grow, one of the top marketing blogs of the world. So Mark has worked in global sales, PR and marketing positions for 30 years and now provides consulting services as executive director of the US-based Schaefer Marketing Solutions. He's also the co-host of amazingly great podcast called The Marketing Companion, which is one of my favorite podcasts because guys are having so much fun recording it that not listening to it is just impossible because besides the fun part you also get loads of value okay so let's dive into the podcast and you can hear um, yet another conversation of ours and I hope you're gonna enjoy that Hello there, Mark. I'm so happy to have you over once again. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, very rarely I'm inviting people over once again, but I'm happy that you're one of them. I'm delighted to be here because uh, you're my friend and I admire what you're doing. So it's an honor to be invited back to your show. Oh, thank you. It's it's really nice. I, I This is the power of podcasting. I mean, I, I guess one of the biggest advantages is that you end up having uh, such nice friends as a result. So I, I'm amazed how many podcasters don't keep in touch and stay in touch with people they interview later on. Uh, I, I think this is the biggest mistake they do. And, and uh, I guess it's it's really, really nice to, to stay in touch. and uh, Absolutely. 
I'm happy we sort of clicked. <laughs> okay, so uh, well, as as I realized with with all the changes I did recently, uh, it seems like rebranding it's so much harder than branding from scratch. Do you agree mm. with that? Mm. Well, it de- it depends, and and let me let me give you an example. About every five years, I reinvent myself. I started in PR and I moved to sales, and then from sales, I moved to marketing, and from marketing, I moved to e-commerce. And from e-commerce, I moved kind of into the social media author space. And so I was talking to a friend, and um, I was telling her about, well, you know, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit itchy, but I'm afraid to really completely rebrand myself or change myself. And she, and and so I was talking about some things that I'm interested in, and she said, well. You know, it occurs to me that you don't really need to be rebranded. You need to be repotted. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was a great analogy because we all grow. We all, we, hopefully we are. And I think it would be difficult for, for a company, for a person, for a brand to just, to, to never change. If you even look at something like Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is a product that will never change. It can't change. And yet, it makes itself relevant to every new generation. So it's kind of repotting itself. It's building on the heritage and growing, growing in a new way, becoming relevant in a new way. So if you can retain your audience and grow with a new audience by, let's call it repotting instead of rebranding, which is, I like that image. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, maybe it's not as daunting as it might seem. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we... uh Actually, it's interesting you said that because my audience, uh, when I just started, were newbie writers who wanted to become authors. Mm-hmm. And over uh, more than one year uh, when the podcast existed, I was receiving emails and I calculated that I had over 30 people who wrote that they actually wrote, completed a book and published it thanks to the podcast. So mm. I ended up with evolved and developed uh, audience. They were not a newbie writers anymore. They were becoming published authors. Mm-hmm. So apparently I thought that now their <laughs> needs were different. You know, we And the good thing with podcast is it's all there. Whatever you've covered, it's still there. So they can always, you know, the newbie ones can start from the beginning uh, and come and reach us. And the ones who have already published, now they have different needs and they will most probably need things about branding and audience building and and engaging with their audiences so that's that's where i went apparently <laughs> repotting in action <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so how, what do you think I, I i was just thinking you've done so many different things but uh regardless 
we sort of, you know, we know Mark Schaefer and, mm-hmm. and, and that's the name we know regardless which phase you were at. And when we're talking about marketing experts, when we're talking mm-hmm. about speakers, when we're talking about authors and all these nice articles about, you know, top 10 influencers and all that stuff, you appear in all those, uh, not with your company name, not with your blog name, not with your podcast name, but with your real name. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you think? Is this like this personal brand and personal name? Is this the constant thing that is being repotted? Well, yeah, I think that's really the, the challenge, and I think it's it's something that that everybody needs to consider. You know, the other day. I was talking to a young man and he said, I would really like to start um, a speaking career. Yesterday, I got an email from uh, a woman seeking advice about writing a book. And uh, another person wrote me asking for advice about a career change. And the common theme in all of these seemingly different goals or life changes is to succeed, you need to have a personal brand. No one's going to hire you as a speaker unless you're known. No one's going to buy your book outside of your friends and family unless you're known in some way. And it's even easier to uh, get a job uh, in your in your field, if you're known outside your company. I mean, one of the things I faced was I left the corporate world in 2008. Inside my company, I was very well known. I was very respected. I had won a lot of awards. I had received seven patents. Uh, I had received chairman awards of of stock options because I had done significant things to turn parts of my company around. But outside of my company, I was unknown. I was starting over. I had never even thought about de- developing a personal brand. And of course, back then in 2008, the social web was just starting to develop and you know, Facebook was catching on and Twitter was just starting and blogging was starting to, to, to grow. And, um, and luckily I started after then to, after that point to, to build a personal brand. So really I think for almost anybody in, in business today, uh, whether you're creating crafts on Etsy or you're a writer, if you're an architect or an engineer, you need to be thinking about how do I show up in the world? How do I become known in the world? What do I want to be known for? And how do I get my voice to be heard? I think it's important for anybody to think about. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, these days, nothing is stable, even those people who think that a corporate job is a very stable thing they should stick to, they never know what will happen. So yeah, I totally agree with you that even they need to have their personal brands in place. So 
I guess the biggest challenge is, I mean, many people are, uh, you know, when, when I talk to them, they are in this place where they absolutely acknowledge the need of uh, becoming known, mm. uh, but they're starting from scratch. So they, mm-hmm. they, they are mm. starting their journey from a place where no one knows who they are towards, you know, a, a place where people will already know who they are, what they are about and start approaching them. So what is like, uh, many people are really confused about where they start, what they do, and many end up kind of, you know, getting all these shiny things, getting on this platforms all together at once and trying whatever gurus are telling them to do and then you obviously you get a very mixed results and and you end up staying where you were so what is your blueprint like where would someone start right now with all these possibilities around them well i certainly agree with you first of all that it can be overwhelming and and people can get frustrated by having a lot of false starts. But I do think there's a logical starting place. And it's thinking about what is your message? What makes you different? What space are you going to occupy in the world that can help people? And a little trick that I've written a lot about in my books, and I talk about this in my talks and and classes, is can you finish this sentence? Only I. Now, that's really hard. You have to think about what makes me distinctive. Why do people keep coming back to my content. Why do people hire me? Why do they love me? Why do my competitors fear me? And do I really understand what it is about me that makes me stand out? And it takes some time. It takes some work, I think. Um, but I, I do think that there's, there's probably a methodology you can go through to help you. And the, the thing that I do with my customers, the very first activity, if, if, if they can't finish that sentence, it means they really don't have a marketing strategy. You can, you can't have a social media strategy. Why would you start a blog or a Facebook page if you don't know what to say and, and you don't know who to say it to? So usually the first step I take is to ask people, is to interview people inside the company, outside the company, maybe even do some surveys. And it never fails that at some point I hear those words. I hear those words and I know that's what it is. That's what this person is about or that's what this company is about. And like I said, it does take some work. It may take a couple weeks. It may even take a couple months to figure it out. And once you figure it out, it still might not be perfect, but at least it's a start. And if you, if you take that time, you're going to actually save time later because if you just start creating content or you just start 
you know, a blog or a podcast or whatever and not really know what you're about, what your message is, what, what distinguishes you and your ability to help people, then you're just going to be frustrated. You're going to have these false starts that you talk about. Yeah. It's going to be a waste of time. Yeah, well, uh, when I interviewed Dory Clark, actually, she, she gave a tip of this three-word exercise. I, I actually did that. Um, you go to people who know you and mm-hmm. ask them to describe you with, mm-hmm. with only three words. Yeah. And then you end up having some, you know, seeing some tendencies and some common mm-hmm. words that come up. And that's mm-hmm. how they perceive you. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the interesting thing is that those words which repeat themselves might not really be what you thought. <laughs> that's the fun part. <laughs> well, the, the, the other thing is, is, you know, I'm familiar with that technique. <clears throat> and the problem is, so let's say the words that repeat are kind or generous you can say that about millions of people. What you really want to look for is the words that aren't maybe at the top to say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're describing me as, uh, as quirky or as um, uh, incredibly insightful or... Uh, futuristic in my thinking. Um, That's something I haven't really heard. Tell me more about that. So, um, you know, if you you go out and say, well, uh, describe three words. What are three words to describe, you know, your your podcast? Oh, well, it's it's interesting and it's uh, informative and it's entertaining. Well, you have just described every single podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> because if it's not those things, then um, you got to look someplace else. I mean, you, you, you got to do something else. So, um, you know, like the marketing companion, we describe my podcast as the world's most entertaining business podcast. Is it? I really yes. don't know how to <laughs> quantify that, but that's what we aspire to. And uh, Tom Webster and I, we have this unique chemistry. We're funny. We try to crack each other up. Uh, we have a quirky sense of humor that people seem to enjoy. And that is what makes us unique. That is our only we. And so now we know what to say. We know how to say it. We know what our product has to be like. And so that's how we've kind of refined our, our brand. And that's how, you know, that's the space we're going to occupy. As far as I know, nobody else has that same claim. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because I think like the... Um we have this stereotype of uh, business books and business podcasts and business channels, which are supposed to be a bit boring, right? Because it's like a serious stuff and, and you have all that uh, things around you, which is, which is supposed to be serious. And then you're having this big contrast where you're bringing this serious knowledge, but parallel <laughs> to that, you also have this uh, very unserious podcast in terms of how it flows and what it covers and, you know, yeah. how 
how you do that. So I guess it's just, you know, this uh, nice play of the opposites that uh, mix together and, and get this result. Because, you know, it's, it's not like you're just having fun. People still learn a lot from it. And that's the key reason, I, I guess, that differentiates. Because there are plenty of podcasts which are about fun purely. And it's just mm-hmm. an entertainment. But here you get the value as well. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so what about? I mean, here I'm I'm touching the point of personalities. I mean, obviously it worked so well, and obviously you've got this unique angle because both of you showed your personalities, and like you know, you're not acting; you're just being yourself on the podcast mm-hmm. or in the content you're creating in general when you're writing blog posts and you have your own voice, etc. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what I mean, we we all talk. The, there is this buzzword called authenticity that everyone is is sort of you know telling mm-hmm. and and likes and and it's something that goes around in social media as something very positive and everyone strives to uh, to to be authentic. Actually, actually hate that word. Yeah, that I don't like it too. Because, but I guess the pure fact why I don't like it is because it's it's all over the place and no matter whether people really understand what it means or whether. They they are authentic themselves or not, they all use it. <laughs> so, um, so what is that being yourself? I mean, wh- what is that? Does it mean you have to show everything like the, the way you are in everything you're doing? Or you just show the part of yourself that you have identified as being different? Well, that's a, that's a great, great question. And first, let me go back a step and talk about talk about why I hate that word. I hate the word authentic because the definition of the word authentic means you're all you're the same everywhere, that you're transparent, that how I am at home um, is how I am on your podcast today. So I might be feeling uh, maybe I'm, I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I really have a stomach ache right now and I'm, you know, and uh, – I, I haven't bathed today, and I'm kind of smelly. And um, well, you, who who really wants to know that? I think a better word is is honesty. That we can approach our content and our audiences uh, in an honest way. Now, the second part of your question was really about personal disclosure, and you know, where's the line, and how much do we really talk about? And I think this is going to sound weird, but I think there's what I would call strategic authenticity, Uh (laughs) which sounds really weird because how can you be authentic if you're strategic about it? But I think, I mean, let me give you an example. So I am generally a private person, but once in a while, I'll write about something that portrays me in a very human way. It'll, I'll talk about my suffering or I'll talk about something I'm struggling with. Now, I don't dwell on that. I don't talk about that every day. I don't talk about... Every single day I'm feeling down or I'm blue. I don't, you know, it, it's just me, but I'm not sure the world really needs that. I don't really think the world, world deserves to know all of that. However, 
I do think it's important to disclose enough that people can know your values and they know you as a person and they can see your heart. So I don't uh, talk a lot about my children, but once in a while, like last week, my daughter was visiting from New York and we, I posted some pictures of me with my daughter because I want to show people that I have children that I love my children and I love spending time with my children. That is a big part of my life. But I don't talk about it all the time, but I'm sending a message that this is my value. Um, I don't uh, talk a lot about my wife or my marriage, but occasionally I post a picture of my wife and and me at some event or something because I want to send a message that I'm married I love being married, and I'm happily married, and this is my wife who I'm proud of. So I don't talk about it every day. I don't dwell about it every day, but I'm strategic about it, that I I want to show enough of my life that people can assess my, my values and what's important to me. But I don't, you know, I don't talk about every day when I'm sick when I'm blue, when I'm this, when I'm that, I don't talk. I mean, that's just oversharing, I think. So I think there is a what balance. What you ate for breakfast and dinner. Yeah, and- <laughs> I mean, I think because we have to remember, uh, and I'm coming from a personal, uh, a business perspective here. You know, maybe if, if you've just got a bunch of Facebook friends and they're just your family members, maybe they want to know what you had for breakfast every day. But from a business perspective, I think it's just important to to be more strategic and really um, give a view of, of, of your values. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree totally. So, so let's imagine you already have, I mean, this person who was trying to be known uh, already got certain visibility and has some audience in place already. Um, what is your approach towards being engaged with your audience and uh, h- how do you engage with them? Because many people now get into live streaming mm. saying that this is the best way to actually have these live conversations and engagement with their audiences. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, I'm not that convinced. Uh, but I do believe that we do need to engage with our audiences and every one of us does it differently. So what's your approach? Mm-hmm. What do you think and how important it is to be in touch with them? Well, boy, you sure ask good questions. <laughs> <laughs> your quest- I mean, your, your questions, I mean, I could, ba- I could write, uh, in fact, what I'm doing here uh, I'm 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 writing down some of your questions because they're going to become blog posts. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So, so um, well, let's go back to 2009. Twitter was red hot, and this was an amazing way to meet new people and engage with new people. And here's what happened: it became super popular. Everybody got onto Twitter, and instead of me having 400 followers, I had 4,000 followers. 
It's a lot easier to engage with 400 followers than 4,000 followers. And then it got really noisy. And so instead of seeing every tweet, maybe I could only see one out of every 10, then maybe one out of every 100, then maybe one out of every 1,000. And now I have no idea because there, I don't, haven't looked at it recently, but I think it's something like 140,000 people follow me on Twitter. So in 2009, people said, this is the best way to engage with your audience. And I think it was. And then what was the next thing? Blogging and a blog community. Well, we know there's this tsunami of content coming at us right now. And when content is filling up that niche and there's so much attention, uh, so much competition, I should say, for our attention, it becomes much more difficult to grow that audience, whether it's a blog or a video or a podcast. Now what's the big thing people are talking about? Snapchat. And the reason they love it is because they say the the engagement is through the roof. Now, I was recently at a conference and there was this big Snapchat star giving a talk and he said, you know, something interesting is happening. The number of followers I get on Snapchat is going up, 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 but the engagement is going down because the same thing is happening. It's content shock. Same thing that happened on Twitter. Same thing that happened on blogs. Once the niche or the platform becomes filled and saturated, you can't maintain that engagement level. It's not sustainable. So now what's the latest thing everybody's talking about is Facebook Live. All right. It's a novelty. So today, when I go on Facebook Live, people are going to say, oh, cool, look, it's Mark. We can engage with him. We can ask him a question. Now, and I love that, and it's fun. But what happens when everybody does Facebook Live? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is predicting that in the next few years, your timeline is going to be mostly live video. And that's what they are promoting, actually. That's what they want to happen. That's what they want it to happen. But you know what? That's going to drive me crazy because (laughs) I don't have the time or the patience to sit there and watch everybody's video. I just, it's not going to happen. And so, once again, we're going to have to be extremely selective about what we watch because there's going to be too much stuff. So what does it mean then? I mean, does it mean that, you know, if you haven't been noticed somewhere before that, because if you already have a name and you already have a following, no matter what the next thing is, they will follow and notice you there. Like on Facebook Live, for example, if you go live, you already have a certain audience, they will watch you. So if you don't, and this thing becomes crowded already, does it mean you don't really have a chance to get noticed at all? No, I think absolutely, absolutely you still do. But I think what you need to do is be sensitive to what your audience wants, not what you want or where, or what, you know, oh, everybody's going on Facebook Live, then, oh gosh, I've got to be on Facebook Live. You know what? I still get tons of engagement on Twitter. 
I mean, you and I engage on Twitter. We'll pass along little ideas or thoughts or links or whatever, right? And so I pay attention to you because you're part of my audience and you're also my friend. So you and I, we engage on Facebook. You, you and I, we engage on Twitter. You mentioned that you listen to my podcast, okay? So maybe Twitter isn't the sexy new thing. Maybe Facebook isn't the sexy new thing. But you know what? My audience is still there. And so I need to listen to uh, my uh, the people who, who love me and listen to me and read my stuff, wherever they are. I mentioned that people asked me for help and guidance over an email. Well, that's engagement. So, so I'm not... You know, I'm not necessarily dictating how people engage or where people engage. I don't even necessarily have a strategy around engagement because I think I have lots of opportunities for people to engage with me. They can take advantage of all of them. Now, I'm going to be exploring Facebook Live because video really doesn't come naturally to me. It's not what I enjoy. I enjoy writing. Writing to me, it's, it's more cerebral. I can, I can correct things. I can, I can make it flow. But I know that people enjoy seeing me on video. I'm rewarded for being on video. I think it's important for people to see my face and hear my voice and to be available to, to answer questions. But I'm not kidding myself that, look, Facebook Live, it's going to go into a tilting point too. Like everything else, it's going to become crowded. It's going to become, look, you know, we just saw this amazing thing happen with Facebook instant articles and publishing. For the last year, Facebook has been pumping Instant articles, just like they're pumping Facebook Live now. They said, we want you to publish. We want you to publish. We want you to publish. And guess what? People are doing it. And now there's too much stuff. And Facebook is saying, oh, my gosh, people are actually doing this. They listen to us. They're publishing. We're not going to be able to show your articles. Yeah, yeah. Because there's too much stuff. There's too much stuff. It's saturated. We're sorry. We made a mistake. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this announcement they made last week where they said we're gonna cut, we're gonna cut back on what we can show through publishing and instant articles. I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, I After, mean, oh my gosh. It's be like careful you even, what you wish for, right? <laughs> are you even thinking about what you're doing? Same thing with video, right? Guess what's gonna happen? There's going to be too much video. Well, yeah, it, it brings me to the thought about this old-fashioned, old-school stuff about quality and providing value. Because once the barrier to entry is so small and once everyone can do videos, everyone can talk about anything they want for as long as they want, actually, you end up having this crowded uh, timeline or, you know, whatever you're, you're having. Uh, it's too much. You obviously don't really want to go through all of it and you have to pick up 
just few people you follow and that's how you I mean personally that's how I pick up you know if it's a good quality stuff and if I'm getting value from that person then I will go back over and over again if no if it's just you know um, uh, fluffy stuff an empty thing that will just waste my 15 minutes even I don't see the value of it. So now we will have to spend more time actually trying to filter things out <laughs> and, and finding what we really need. Well, it's a great responsibility, isn't it? Um, you know, I, um, one of the things I wrote about in my, in my content code book, which is really all about this observation that you're making, that yes, it is about creating quality and and rising above the noise the content code book is all about okay content is no longer the finish line 2 years ago it was 3 years ago content was still novel it was a novelty if you had a podcast if you had a blog if you had a video program it was relatively easy to stand out cuz there weren't that many now it's saturated so what do we do next and we need to think about our audience, the needs of our audience, distributing our content, promoting our content in new ways. But above all, we need to think about trust and our promise that if you spend time on my blog or podcast or video or Instagram account or whatever, I will never let you down. It will be interesting it will be helpful. I will put you first. And how many companies do we know today that are willing to stand up and say, I will never let you down? How many bloggers out there today are taking money to have sponsored content? And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, maybe if that's what you need to do to feed your family, I mean, I'm not going to be judgmental about that. But you do cross a line and become an ad. And so we have to think about what is the promise of our brand? What is, the, what is the promise that we must keep every day, whether it's through our advertising, our promotion, our podcast? And, we can, and in, in this day and age, to stand out, we have to respect every reader and every listener, and we can never let them down. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, my I'm, many people sort of, you know, come back to me saying that I'm too picky about my guests and about the topics mm. I cover. But right. uh, but I find that this is the best way to ensure quality and to ensure that the promise I'm making to my audience saying that they won't be wasting those 40 minutes is actually met. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> That's what I do as well. Well, that's fan- I mean, that's fantastic. And that's why you've, you've been successful and you'll continue to be successful. Um, and I know when I go to some blog and I see that it's you know, some sponsored post, it just stops me in my tracks. Yeah. And I think, I don't know what to believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, once you lose the trust, getting yeah. back is, is almost impossible. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's really it was really nice talking to you. I mean, um, as always, so loads of new things we found out. It was nice talking to you too. Thank you for giving me my next five blog posts. 
<laughs> Make sure you share them with us so we know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I have a list here of five, five blog post ideas that came from your questions. Okay. So what I'll do is once they are written, I will link them to in the um, show notes. So whoever yeah. listened to the interview can go there and get even more info. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for coming over. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. Well, it seems like that's all that I had for you today. I truly hope that you enjoyed the interview. I hope that it provoked some thoughts and helped you, uh, you know, figure out some uh, new things. Um, as to me, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure if you have heard the previous episode at anialexander.com backwards slash 165, uh, you will know that I've been going through a huge paradigm shift. I also took a little bit of break and now looking at things differently and coming up with a completely new strategy, I think you will be having different, interesting and fresh content coming your way very soon. So I'm working on it and you will be notified and you will see things happening. And I truly hope that you will like it. Meanwhile, have a great weekend, take care, and I'll meet you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.